Hello and welcome to Journal Sessions on the Bold Love Podcast with Pastor Bob Roberts Jr. Journal Sessions is a weekly podcast that features a look inside Pastor Bob's journal on the things that he is thinking deeply and praying deeply about among some stories along his journey. And on this episode of Journal Sessions on the Bold Love Podcast, Pastor Bob talks about the most unusual year of his life. Take a listen. In the way that I kick off every year and I plan and I put things together, this has been one of the most unusual, unique years of my entire life. I think God talks to us many different ways. And I remember getting set up with my journal in 2019. I got this red Bible, a small red Bible I could take with me everywhere in a red journal. And here comes COVID and some other stuff. 2020 was a tough year. And that red said to me, stop, just slow down. And then the next year, I had this Bible I got really cheap, and it was cool looking. It was yellow. So 2021 was kind of caution. Here we go. And then I love blue, and I've never had a blue Bible. So I got me a blue Bible to read through for 2022. And that meant speed up a little bit. And man, 2022 was such a wild year. And then I thought, you know what I'm going to do? Only kind of Bible I've never had is a green Bible. So I got me a green Bible with a green journal, and it means go, baby, go. 2023, we're going to knock the snot out of this year. We're going to move forward. We're going to hit it with everything we've got. So I get together with me, the Lord, the Trinity, my journal, and everything else in December. I'm a big goal setter. I mean, I set goals. Let me tell you, goals matter. They set direction. They give focus. They rally people. They push us forward. They increase credibility. Every year for decades as I pastored, I'd have our top 10 goals. Now, a lot of times I'd put them in the bulletin, and we'd measure them every year. We want to see so many baptisms, so many small groups, so much this, so much that. We would do whatever we could to really make it look cool. And so in the context of that, I've just always believed in setting goals and and what that would be and the implication for it. So I was big into setting church goals. I was big into setting personal goals. Even with my kids, my wife, we'd sit down and say, all right, what are your top three goals for this year? Come up with 10, but what are three that you've got to do? Every single staff member I would have that I always work with, even now, I'll ask them, what are your goals? What are you going to do this next year? What does success look like? Now, That's a good way to do it. And I did it for years. Uh, One of my mentors, Bob Bill, says that there are people who function basically three ways. They're your problem solvers and and they can be very successful. He said James Dobson, for example, is a problem solver. And then there are goal setters, uh, people who set goals every year and they live and die by them. But he said the other third, but he said the third category is opportunity recognizers. And the truth of the matter is, That's what I am more than a goal setter. But goals are important because they give us focus. So why am I telling you all of this? Because I didn't set any goals this year. What? I'm going to be 65 shortly, and I didn't set any goals, something I've done for the last 40 years? No, not any. Yep, I got five organizations at work with. I'm an elder at Northwood. I mean, I got a lot going on, people. I didn't set a single goal this year. That's strange for me. Why? Because literally, I've got so much going on. And when I look at where our organizations are and what we're doing, 
for me, I don't need to set goals. Those goals have been set by different projects I'm involved in, what success looks like. And so on a single page, I put what would it look like for this year to be successful instead of the normal things. I want to do these top 10 goals. And so I did. And I came up with about 140 things that have to be done this next year. And there are 10 things out of those 140 that have to happen in all five organizations and everywhere that I live my life. But it not like I tried to brainstorm. What are some cool goals I can do this year? No, for me, the goals are already established. And I just recognized what was already there. And I began to pray about it. I struggled with it. I thought, no, that's not good. This isn't what I'm used to do in terms of setting goals. And, and I got to thinking about, you know what I need to do? I just need to finish it. Just finish it. Everything I've got, that's success. If I can complete this one pager that I put together with all the organizations and everything that needs to happen, if I do that page, it's success. And I begin to think, what, what is my word for the year? How do I see that? And, and um, the, the, the phrase that really came up to me was completed. And I was reading Philippians 1 and 6, and it says, he who began a good work in you will complete it. That verse gave me a lot of comfort because I thought, man, I've got this project and that project, and, and how, do I, how do I get it done? And the interesting thing is, most of these projects, I didn't go looking for. They came looking for me, and they're very unique opportunities. So if I can just complete that, if I can just do it, if God put it in my lap without me looking for that, success is completed. That's my phrase this year, completed. I love what the Bible says about Joshua in Joshua eleven fifteen, he left nothing undone that the Lord commanded. That's what was said of Joshua at the end of his life. That's pretty doggone good. He left nothing undone that the Lord commanded. In other words, he finished it. And I begin to think about, he completed it. I begin to think about Jesus in John 17, 4, in, in the great uh, intercessory prayer that he prays. He says, as he's praying to the Father, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. How did he glorify God? How did he glorify the Father? He finished the work God gave him to do. And, and what does he say on the cross in John 19, 30? It is finished. We live our lives thinking, man, I want to hear God say, well done. How do you hear God say, well done? You finish what he's called you to do. And, and what that means is you're obeying him. And, and, and when we obey him, we keep his commandments and we fulfill the mission that he's called us to do. And, and so that's been my word. And I love it. And I put all those verses down on a particular page in my journal. So every day I'm reading those verses and I'm thinking about it. My eyes are really alert right now to verses that say somebody finished it or they completed it or they did what they were supposed to do, whatever it is. And what's crazy is I read through the Bible every year and I have a simple way of doing it. I read three chapters out of the Old Testament, one chapter of wisdom literature, which is Job through Song of Solomon, and then one chapter out of the New Testament. And it really doesn't take me a year. I finish in October. So I do that every year. What do you think was in my reading? I loved it this year when I started January 1. Well, Genesis, that means I read Genesis 2, too. And 
boy, my eyes just captured it and I stopped dead in my tracks because I started off by saying, God, I want to finish everything you've put in my hand. It's not about me, my stuff, but your stuff. I want to do the work that you've given me to do. Genesis 2.2, by the seventh day, he completed his work and he rested. Isn't that good? He completed it. He finished it. He did it. This is how we hear well done. See, we think the way that we hear well done, we come up with our, I'm going to have this big dream and this big plan. I heard this so many times when I was in my 20s and 30s, dream of something so big for God to do that it will require God and then you will be fulfilled. I disagree with that. Our dreams are really screwed up. Don't dream our dreams. What is his dream? What is his vision? What is his mission? He's already dreamed the dream. Any dream that you have is just a little bubble inside the universe that he's created. What does he want you to do? We're so busy trying to be successful. What's my dream? How do I make it to the top? I once heard a man say that shooting stars in their 30s invariably become falling stars in their 50s and their 60s. We've seen it all over the place. Many of you, you may have done what I've done. You've got a list of preachers that have fallen to try to help you remember that so that you live a life of character. Recently, Brian Houston, Bill Hybels, I could go on and on and on and list names of people that I've met, people I know, people, people I've admired, and they've crashed and they've burned. Listen to me. Being successful is not the same thing as finishing it. Just, just because you've grown a big church, that doesn't mean you finished it at all. That may mean you're in the middle of it. Doesn't mean you finished it. But in American context, we think, boy, if you can grow a big church, wow, he's successful. He's just going to coast the rest of the way. That isn't how it works. There has to be some shifts that take place. And if you're going to finish something, you have to move from enthusiasm to endurance. Enthusiasm is important. Man, you need to be able to get up excited and jump out of bed. But enthusiasm is a very immature emotion. Endurance is a mature emotion. It says, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to be faithful to what God has called me to do. Even if our church is going in reverse, y'all know about it. When our church desegregated, when we reached Muslims, we lost hundreds of people. But it was that season that opened me up to the world. And people wanted to hear about what we were doing around the world that caused the last 10 years to be the most significant years of, of my ministry. The most significant season of my ministry is right now, and it's because of all the junk I went through back then. What looked like failure, it was a Joseph thing. You meant it for evil, God meant it for good. So if you're going to be a long-term person who finishes it, you, you, enthusiasm is good, but you've got to move from enthusiasm to endurance. You have to move from I got to meet everybody and build this big network to just focus on a few. Does it matter to meet people? Sure. Meet people, get to know people, use your people skills. That's, it's not bad, but don't expect people to be the key to your success in life. God will bring people in and out of your life that you need at specific moments to do specific things. Focus on a few. I want a world-class team that I work with. I really do. That matters to me. 
I'm more concerned about a few people that I work with that are stellar than getting a whole bunch of people that are just doing a lot of stuff. And guys, can I tell you, you try to meet everybody, you get to know those people. Sometimes they're not who you think they are. And then sometimes you've got friends that they're your friends because they're your friends. They may not want to help you just because you've got money. I, I, I found out, I didn't realize it. I've got a couple of friends that are actually billionaires. I've never asked them for money. And somebody was with me when I found out they were a billionaire. I said, oh, Bob, you, you need to talk to them about this, this, and this. No, I don't. My friendship with them is more important than the money they've got. If, if they want to dump something on me, don't get me wrong, I'll take it. But I learned a long time ago, impact, influence, significance, Money's just one dimension of it. And money is not even the most important dimension. Focus on those few people that are around you. Who matters? Who are the people? Who's your team? And your family better be part of your team. Be picky about your team. The world is not changed by masses. It's changed by a few that lead in such a way that ultimately the masses begin to listen to and they follow. Another shift, it's from my action plan to recognizing moments. My action plan is, okay, God, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to put this together. And here, here's the budget. Here's the resources. Here's the, here's the stuff. Are action plans bad? No, they're not bad. I've got one. I've got one right now. Everything that I do, I have an action plan for it. God's sovereignty trumps our action plans in ways we could never imagine. I, I, I say this sometimes when I'm speaking. I prepared for a life that never came, and I've lived a life that I never planned. But there were divine moments, and I recognized them. It's a very different skill sitting down as a business person or as somebody trying to organize your life, putting it together, versus having the ability to hear God's voice. And God says, do this, and we do it, and here we go. And when we're obedient and we follow those moments, sometimes those moments may take us into a desert like Moses or like Jesus, or they may put us on a boat like Paul, and we're broke one minute. Those moments of obedience may seem completely opposite to the success that we're pursuing, but they're not. They put us in situations and circumstances that demand that God moves, and they don't always make sense. It's a shift from height to depth. You know, you can just, you know, when I was young, I would just get all fired up. I'm going to go do this. But sometimes we need to have depth of character, depth of wisdom, uh, depth of mind to think. Another shift that we have to take is from looking for that break, that right person, that moment, that thing, to valuing. What is in your hand? What's God already given you? I was visiting with a bunch of young people in their 20s at a special event. They had about three of us old people there just to talk to them. And so I said, what is your generation dream about? And, and, and a guy said, we dream of being famous. And I thought he was teasing, and I started laughing. And this young lady was there. She's a social media influencer. She said, no, Bob, it's true. It's, it's we really dream of being famous. We're looking for that moment that... That, that we can have, and, and, and how do we build off of that? Guys, let me tell you, don't live for fame. It comes, it goes. It, it doesn't stay. It doesn't stay. And so instead of looking for fame, what, what is it that God's put in your hand? It's Moses had a staff. What's in your hand? What gifts, talents, abilities, skills, knowledge, 
what's unique about you? Buford used to, Bob Buford used to always ask me, Roberts, what's unique about you? And he would always, he knew, but he would try to get me to say what it was. So value, you've got to have time to reflect. What, what is your real gift? I used to think my gift was getting Muslims and Christians together or, or dealing with racial issues. And then one day I realized, no, it's really not. I'm a peacemaker. That's what I am. And then I realized my context is the public square. When I realized that, it opened the doors for a lot of other things that I could do that I couldn't do any other way. Somebody else, too, who's, who's, who's going to finish stuff, they're looking from quick fixes to solid foundations. You know, they're, they're going to build their house on the rock, not the sand. You've got to be on a solid foundation. Uh, solid foundation, what is it? It's the Word of God. It's sound theology. It's, it's knowledge of who you are. It's strong character. And it's also, we already talked about, from moving from your vision and your dream to God's commandment. And by the way, what does Jesus say? If you love me, keep my commandments. I mean, what matters to Jesus most? That we love him. God does not need us to do his stuff. Really, he's God. He can do everything without us. Now, you can argue with me. A little bit of my Reformed theology is probably coming through here. But God doesn't need us. He loves us. He wants to be in community with us. And how do we love him? We just do what he says. Keep his commandments. I want to ask you something. What has God put in your hands? You, you may not know. Maybe you're so busy trying to make it to the top. The most important thing you can do is take a breath and go, wait, wait a minute. Who am I? I have a whole page in my journal I write every year. Who am I? It's got all my personality profiles, verses, prophetic words people have given me, things I've discovered about myself, my wife telling me, you know, things about who I am. Sometimes my staff. It's God placed in your hands. And then the next question is, what is unfinished? What did you start that you just thought, oh, this is too hard. I can't do this. You may be doing religious work. But it's not necessarily God's work. Finish what God has put in your hand. Don't try to bypass something hard. Finish it. Your success is not in another person or break or money. Your success is tied to your ability to be obedient to the commands of Jesus and to the directions of Jesus that he gives you day in and day out. Finish it. Thank you so much for joining us for journal sessions with Pastor Bob Roberts Jr. on the Bold Love Podcast. If you were impacted by this conversation, we would like to ask a favor. First, if you found this episode impactful, please share it on social media and recommend it to a friend. Second, like most podcasts, we are able to make these impactful conversations happen with support from partnering organizations and individuals like you. If you felt led to support these type of conversations, you can do so now and give at support.boldlovepodcast.com. Whether it's a single gift or a monthly donation, we are so thankful for you. For more information on this podcast, show notes, and any other references, you can go to boldlovepodcast.com to get all the information there. We appreciate you joining us. And remember on the Bold Love Podcast, we encourage you to live out your faith boldly, learn how to better love your neighbor, and learn how to relate to others despite your differences without compromising your faith. See you next time.